I'm like, we're old men, dude. We don't operate that late. Live on tape from Nuthouse Studios in beautiful downtown Lexington, it is Bluegrass Homefront, Episode 3. I am Tiny Brian, and with me as always is Victor. Victor, good day. Good day, Tiny Brian. How are you today, sir? I am fine. How are you today? Oh, I am uh, I'm better than average, probably. Better than average. That's, that's pretty good. It's kind of a gloomy, uh, kind, kind of a gloomy weekend here in Lexington. Yeah, it's okay, but uh, it's it's gotten a little cooler out, and it's been uh, kind yeah, of rainy. Kind of feels like summer's broken. Like maybe we'll have a few hot days, but uh, for the most part, we're into that. We're into pumpkin spice season, as as some would call it. So yeah, it's been raining a little bit. Yeah, it was raining this morning. I, I know I woke up about seven a.m. this morning, which is you know when you when you get to be our age, you don't really get you don't get to sleep. That's sleeping in, really. Yeah, that's sleep your life away so yeah so you wake up and i'm waking up and i'm laying there and i can hear the rain because it's raining going good where where i live at that particular time i'm laying there and i hear big big thunder roll which is i always enjoy yeah and i happen to be laying on my back and from when i'm laying on my back in my bed i can see my router my internet right and the thunder goes boom 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 and two or three seconds later, the green light on the top of my router goes yellow. Uh-oh. And uh, the the thing Caution. on yeah the thing on my TV screen that is connected to the internet just goes connecting. It's like, oh no. Oops. So, but fortunately, it was only a few minutes. By the time I got up and kind of you know got up and got my morning things and got in my chair, it had already came back on. So. That's not too bad. Yeah, it wasn't too bad. But as everybody's internet condition seems to do it'll go off for random times anyway i think everybody has that problem so right uh that's part of life Mm -hmm. but it is it's getting to that nice time to be outside i do live near one of our downtown parks and i love to kind of go and there's there's so many people just roaming around walking their dogs and and it is uh, enjoying the weather so one thing that this cool weather makes me feel like and we're kind of almost in the mood for it is some football. Yeah, we are getting closer to football. We talked about their first scrimmage game just last week. We did. We did. And so. this week, I, I managed to get uh, a uh, uh, the calendars from Kroger. Yeah. Our football calendars, which is uh, pretty nice. It has yep. the map on, looks like a bourbon barrel wood. Yeah. With the logo painted on it, and then all the all the players kind all of all the around, players kind of around that around it. It's very nice, and uh, it says our first game is against Auburn down there on September the 26th. So that'll be a pretty good game. and uh, Right around the end of the month, which is a, later than normal, right? Not, a, not that it's a great thing or anything. Uh, Auburn's actually been having a little trouble getting their practices in because of the Yeah, because of the, the, the continuing pandemic. So, yeah, but uh, what was that question you asked me? I said, uh, that's later than normal, right? Well, absolutely. I mean, we would have already played our directional school by now. Yeah, because I know the, uh, the when you look at the thing, it's interesting how few games there are. Oh yeah, we're like play, each one yeah. has its own little box, and but and there's yep. just and there's just not many of them, and we're playing an all ACC schedule, so that'll be a be a challenge this season, and it should be fun. I mean, mm-hmm. we're going into into this probably with the best team that we've ever possibly had. That that's not, and you know we can, this week we do manage it. to have uh, we have some proof of that, right? Because we are going we are going to have our special guest our guest this week for the hour. Uh, is uh, was for ten years was the uh, was on Her- the UK football beat for, for the Herald, Herald for the yeah. Lexington Herald right for the Herald Leader and uh, Chip Cosby yes that is Chip Cosby uh, I've had the pleasure of working with him a couple of times you have actually yes so, uh, uh, briefly um, if those of you who live in Lexington may have heard of there's a show on WLEX called Hey Kentucky. Sure, and one of the segments, and Chip has hosted there several times. He has, and he was also on CN two for a little bit, mm-hmm. and uh, he he's kind of well known in Lexington and in Louisville, which is where he's from and he resides. So mm-hmm. we we thank Chip for sitting down and having a nice conversation with us, and we talk about some of his football experience and about the UK football team in this next conversation. So, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, so it was nice to talk to him. But before we get to that, uh, let's talk. Let's talk about some music. 
we're going first song we're going to listen to is entirely possible by Pearlie Jenkins. That is ex- oh, and I have this folks. I don't get involved as I as I'll tell you at the end. Victor's our music supervisor. I try very hard to stay out of his way in that way, let him do his thing. But I did insist that I could, he, this is uh, I needed this song in our show. You somewhere. did, and uh, we'd like to thank uh, Mr. Jenkins. I don't actually know him, but he very graciously uh, yes, responded very, very quickly and, and got some songs. And he he seems to be a a good old guy from Somerset. So and this we song appreciate is it. this is a great song, and uh, we hope you enjoy it. And we'll see you in a moment. You're listening to Bluegrass Homefront, and uh, here's some music. We need another Hollywood movie about how it all ends. Another documentary so we can tune in and learn how we're all gonna die. We need a terrorist alert, whatever color you got. Another scientist to tell us it's too damn hot, but it's entirely possible.
Bluegrass Homefront. This is Victor with Tiny Brian. Hey. All right. The first set of songs we heard again was Pearly Jenkins with Entirely Possible, Mm-mm. followed by Vina Cava with White Lighter, and finally Sarah Wood O'Donnell with Girl of Constant Sorrow. It's a mellow set. Yes, sir. Kind of goes with the uh, the rainy week, the rainy and the weather, and uh, I don't know. We got some kind of uplifting song with Entirely Possible. It kind of mm-hmm. makes you feel good about living. So. You know, uh, it's we're, I'm really glad that the rain came this weekend and not earlier this week when we were in Louisville yes. at uh, the Tom Sawyer Park, as I mentioned earlier, right. where we sat down with former, uh, former, uh, I can't, well, I can't, I keep Lexington Herald Leader in my head. Former UK beat writer for the Lexington Herald, Herald Leader. Leader, Chip Cosby. And uh, so we sat down with him, and as I said, uh, this first segment, we talked about t- his view of UK football going all the way back to the 90s. Yep. Talked about the How Mummy era. Talked about the uh, probation. Yeah, yep. and, and all of that stuff. So a lot of good history here. I learned a lot from it, and we hope you enjoy it. Here's Chip. After you graduated from UK, you spent 10 years as the uh, the, the football, on the football beat for Lexington Herald. Yeah, right? um, I started um, at the Herald. You know, when I was in college, when I was finishing up at UK, I, mm-hmm. you know, I got my first job uh, at the Herald Leader on the sports desk. So right. I would, you know, I was the guy like, you know, back in the day when like on Friday and Saturday nights when they'd call in high school st- scores and stuff, 
I'll be the guy that take in the scores and type them in the system and I'll, mm -hmm. you know. So um, from that, it led to an internship. Um, they asked me to come back and do an internship in news um, for a semester. Oh, I think it might have been a whole year. Um, and then after that, um, the sports editor, Gene, the sports editor at the time, Gene Abel, um, they had an opening at the time. And, um, you know, I think he had kind of been watching me and kind of, you know, look, looking at me and wanting to groom me to, mm -hmm. to grow into that position. So um, he hired me. Um, and I tell you, man, it was um, – because, you know, I, I never, the thing about it was I never, I never really grew up with dreams of being a sports writer or a journalist. I mean, to be honest with you, when I, when my mom dropped me off at UK my freshman year, I, I had no idea what the hell I wanted to do, you know. Um, <laughs> we all know that feeling. Yeah, we're, yeah, we're all, that was me, I, you I know. I we're all about the same age. So. Yeah, yeah, they, we're yeah. All, yeah, I think we all graduated in the mid-90s. Yeah. We graduated in 93 yeah. and me in 94. Yeah, so, so yeah, so I mean, you know, I, I didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, but, uh, you know, I thought about it for a while and I was like, you know, you like sports, um, you know, like, and I was, the, I was that kid who every morning, um, I get up before school, sit down, eat my bowl of, uh, frosted flakes or whatever. And I'd read the sports page. I mean, I, sure. I started doing that at like five years old. Oh, wow. So I did that every day and I was a sports nut. I mean, I knew stat, I mean, I knew the stats from every team and I, so I just thought, well, why not give, you know, why, why not? not give it a shot? Um, and, you know, I really didn't do a whole lot with the Colonel. Um, and I, I'll tell you a little story. Um, this is kind of what kind of got my foot in the door at the Herald Leader. And when I'm speaking to young people, I tell this story. I, I mean, I, it's a must. Um, I was in, uh, I think I was a junior at UK. And, you know, I, I don't even think I had gotten into the School of Journalism yet. I was a... I was kind of a slacker at that mm. point in my life. I mean, I was doing enough to get by, but I wasn't doing everything. It was that, the 90s. We yeah. were all collectively slacking. Yeah, so. and I, I wasn't doing everything that I needed to be doing. But I had a class, um, a news reporting class, um, and the instructor in that class um, was a woman by the name of Krista Paul. And at the time, she worked, she was in news. I'm not, I can't remember what department, but she was a news reporter. So one of the assignments that she had us do, one of the things we had to do for the class was everybody had to spend a certain amount of time at a media outlet, you know, working at, a, I mean, I don't know how many hours she asked, but you know, whether it's a newspaper, radio station, TV station, and of course me, I procrastinated, didn't know what, didn't know what the hell I wanted to do. Right. And I was on, on a time crunch. Right. So I went up to her after class one day, I found out she worked at the Herald Leader, I said, you know, I really don't know what I want to do because there any way I can come over to the Herald Leader and do and do my hours there. She's like, sure. So she, like that next week, she came, she invited me to come by and she int introduced me to a guy named Jim Durham, who was the community editor at the time. And, uh, you know, I got there. I didn't know what to expect. I meet Jim, shake his hand, and he looks at me. You want to do a story? I'm like, whoa, you know, crap. I, you know, I wasn't expecting all this. But he said, you know, look, um, Marty Moore, who was a U.K. football player at the time, yep, but I was playing, mm -hmm. at the time he was playing for the Patriots, he was playing in the NFL for the Patriots. Mm -hmm. He came back, he, but he would come home, he came home that summer and was working on his master's for teaching, and he was teaching class at this vocational school in Lexington. But anyway, like, go over here and interview Marty Moore and talk about, you know, being in the NFL, coming back, working on your degree, working with kids. So I did the story. It ran on the front page of the community section. Saw my byline, and I was like, I was hooked. I was going to yeah. say, yeah, there's nothing like getting that. That like, first oh, time. Me. I mean, I front, front page story, Marty Moore, big picture, by Chip Cosby. I was like. Man, okay. It's so, like pitch must Yeah, yeah, this, really yeah maybe mind, maybe yeah. maybe we can do something with this. That's really what kind of got me going and then of course after that I got an internship and got hired full time, met Gene. But the moral of that story was, you know, I I, I ran into you know, I kept in contact with Krista over the years and she eventually told me, she said, Now I thanked her. I said, Man, if I hadn't if I hadn't done that work in your class, you know, I probably wouldn't be here. I wouldn't have, I wouldn't be where I am today. And she was like, you know what? Don't think you were special. You know, I didn't do anything for you that I wouldn't have done 
for any of the other students, you were the only one who asked. There you go. So, and, and I tell that story all the time, you know, like, and, you know, now, granted, I was asking because I hadn't done Jack and I was against <laughs> the eight ball and I had to find, but I asked. But you asked. And, uh-huh. you know. And, and there were people who would have just quit, would have right, just dropped yeah, out, so, would have just went and did a withdrawal. So I tell, you know, I tell people. I tell young students all the time, you know, don't be afraid to ask. That's right. The worst they can say is no. That's right. You know, if they say no, you'll keep asking. You'll find somebody. Somebody we, will say yes eventually. We had so, that conversation when we talked about calling you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Oh, well, you know. I was I, like, Brad, you bet he'd call Yeah, no. Nah, and, 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 I, and, I, and I, you know, I understand, I understand the game, man. I mean, you know, I'm the type, you know, I, and I don't get to do a whole lot of this stuff anymore. So anytime I get an opportunity, like, Hey, Kentucky, you know, um, you know, once I got out of media full time, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm happy with what I'm doing. I think I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. What but are you any, doing now, Chip? Uh, I'm, a, I'm actually a, I'm, I've got my master's in social work. So right now I'm a mental health practitioner for Jefferson County Public Schools. I, thought that, I, I okay. noticed that there was a Chip call, who said that, and I was like, I wonder if that's him. I wonder yep. if he worked for the... Is yep. that why you came back to Louisville? Yeah, I yeah, I came back here, you know, after I got out. Well, you know, and a lot of people don't realize this, people that don't know me personally. I never, I li- you know, I went to UK, and I lived in, in Lexington for a little while after I graduated, but I commuted. I've been here the whole time. I oh, would commute. okay, so even when you were covering Even UK, when I was covering UK, I was on the road, you know, um, you, know I, you know, I had a situation here where I had a family, and we had a house, and... You know, yeah. that, you know, uh, we inherited a house that, you know, we didn't have to, that we got can't, a good deal on. I was like, on that, right. I can't pass that up, but I got it's home. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's home, home but I can't, I, I got to make, this is an opportunity I can't pass up. So I, I commuted. Yeah, I made it work. And, you know, with the help for, you know, I had a great understanding boss who, you know, Gene was kind of boss is like, as long as you get your work done. You know, you meet your deadlines, you give me good content, and you get your work done. I'm not going to stand over you. So you were there for 10 years, yep. 2011, right? Yep. I, I left, uh, you know, I was, I did the UK beat from 2000. My first year on the UK beat was the year that the whole scandal broke with Hal Mummy and Claude Bassett, and they oh, got wow. put on oh, probation. Wow. Okay. So I stepped into that. That was a heck of a time to get in. Man, you talk, you talk, as, and as a young reporter who had very little experience, I mean, it yeah. was, it was intimidating, and you know, and I took some, I took some lumps, but it, you know, it, it helped me. It made me stronger. Uh, and funny too, the first game, the first game I actually covered was that lightning. I don't know if y'all remember the lightning game mm-hmm. back in Jared Lorenzen's first game. Yep. There was a big storm. With Louisville, there right? Was, yeah, it was, it was at Papa John's. There was a big delay. There was delays because, you know, so here we are. My first game as a beat writer, there's a storm. There's all these delays. You know, my deadline is screwed. And it goes to overtime. It right? goes to overtime. There's delays. It goes to overtime. I mean, I, I can't – I'm surprised I didn't have a nervous breakdown. So, <laughs> uh, broken in good on that. Yeah, one. man. I you talk about getting broken in. I don't think <laughs> when you look at the first game I had to cover and you look what went on during that first season. I mean, you know, the scan because of the scandal, there was all kinds of stuff. You know, like behind the scenes, like backstabbing and finger pointing and throwing these under the bus and and you just with your notebook right? I, yeah and i'm i'm trying to you know i'm trying to be this investigative reporter and i've never done anything like that i mean i saw and learned some things that year buddy i, I tell mean, you Chip, that sounds like a book i Until, mean like 10 years you could probably have to write a book just about your time covering uk football yeah especially now that uk football is you know, I, I don't want to go so far as to say good, but it's at least you know decent. Yeah, right. No, that, you know, yeah. we're getting there. We're not, getting you know, there. and I, you know, and I, I was kind of a part of that because you know when I when I walked when I stepped in, you know, Mummy had some success with mm-hmm. Tim Couch, and you know went to the uh, Outback. I was at that Outback Bowl. That um, was a great, that game. Was a great game, a great time. Uh, but then that kind of fell apart with the scandal. Yeah. Um, they brought Guy Morris in. Um, yeah. You know, and he. He righted the ship and then took off for Baylor. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I remember, you know, like at that time, um, you know, I remember it was the UK. It was a UK U of L basketball game at Freedom Hall, and I was at uh, I was at a restaurant. And you know, like Mitch Barnhart, he kept that coaching search close to the vest. I mean, nobody really knew. 
you know, there was a lot of names floating around like David Cutcliffe and a few other people. Um, but in the end, you know, I'm sitting in this restaurant and it was after the U of L UK basketball game and CBS breaks in. UK's hired Rich Brooks as its foot, next football coach. And I was like, who? <laughs> Who? Who's Rich Brooks? You know, and then yeah. I, and a buddy of mine was like, oh, you know Rich Brooks. He coached for the – oh, that Rich Brooks. You know, so I went back and did some research on him, and I was like, you know, yeah, he, you know, he looked like he kind of got the program going in Oregon. Um, you know, he wasn't great in the NFL. wasn't horrible. I mean, I think they went like 7-9 and nine and 8-8 eight and eight or something like that. Um, Seems like college, the skills to be a good college coach don't easily transfer to any of the professional leagues. No, no, it doesn't because you're dealing with, you know, you don't, it's, you know, you don't have to recruit and you're dealing with men and boys. Got, men, yeah, men and, and you're boys. dealing with guys who make yep. more money than you. <laughs> exactly. You know, your, your best guys are <laughs> probably making five times what you're making. That's right. um, but, you know, it wasn't a sexy hire at all. You know, no, like people was, were just he like was a older, he was like an older he, guy. He was a, he was a pack pack ten guy. You know, he had never been. Nobody any, cares about the pack ten. Yeah. I mean, they canceled this year and it made zero news. And know? he and he got off to a rough start. You know, like um, and there were people that were like, I don't know about this guy. And and but there was just something that told me I was like, if they give him time, if they just give him a little time because, you know, he was an old school. I mean, he wasn't gonna do any shortcuts or gimmicks or. He was just no, going to roll really roll did. up That's his right. sleeves and make it happen. And make it happen. And the thing about the Brooks era too was like he didn't get a lot of four or five star recruits. No, but he, just he took made it he took he took some three star guys. I mean, you look at the guys that that he put in the NFL. I mean, you look at you know you look at uh, Jacob Tammy, mm-hmm. Corey Peters is still playing in still the playing NFL. Wesley Woodyard. Yep. You know, um, there were a lot of guys that he turned into you know into NFL players and developed them. Um, so I was glad to see that they hung in there. You got to give Barnhart credit for that, for mm-hmm. not pulling the plug. Um, yeah, I think if he if, if he would have had another 10 years, if he'd have been 10 years younger, I think we could have really kind of broke it open with him. Very, right. Young. Very possible. But, you know, I think he raised the bar. You know, he mm-hmm. got UK to the point to where they expected to go to, you know, when yeah. Rich Brook, we expect to at least go to a, a bowl game right. every year, maybe pull an upset or two. Um, and I think that uh, I think he that team Andre Woodson senior year um, when they had Andre Woodson, Keenan Burton, Little, Tammy, Steve they, Johnson, some of the most exciting football games I've ever seen that year. And I tell you, with a couple more breaks, I really thought I thought that team was good enough to con- contend for they, the East. You know, they, they really beat were. they beat LSU. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they beat Louisville. They beat LSU. And, you know, game day came. I remember game day came down. After they beat LSU, I think they played Florida the next week with Tim yeah. Tebow. And game day was here. Is that the one where they sent him to the hospital? Is what, that the game? Tebow? Yeah. I don't think. Oh, I, okay. I can't I remember. He came to uh, Commonwealth. And they, it might have been his freshman they year. Flat, yeah, they flattened him. I think that was the year he was rotating with Chris Leak. Um, that might have been his freshman year, okay. I recall. But uh, you know they lost. They they played it. They they lost to yeah. to Florida. It was a tough competitive game, but they got the absolute holy you know what beat out of them. A lot of guys were hurt. A lot of guys were banged up. They came back. They had to come back that next week and play Mississippi State, and they laid an egg. Yep. So you know those two. Yep. You know if they had if 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 the scheduling gods had been a little kinder, I really think that team because they had a lot of t- talent on both sides of the ball, but. Um, back to Brooks, man. Like I said, he raised the bar. They, um, I think he made it. I think he made UK fans realize um, that we had a football program. That, yeah, because you know, like, and even when you know, even when they had one, or, you know, one or two good years, it was like UK football fans always expected the worst. Well, yeah, always. I mean, always. You could be up thirty-five yeah. to ten in the fourth quarter, and they'd be How like, "We're gonna lose this one, boys." Yeah. We're not. It's not over. I, I remember the first, my first UK game that I actually was in the press box was uh, the Alabama game when they beat Alabama. Wow, with okay. Couch. Yeah, that was the first. Oh, wow, that's a good yeah. one to be yeah. in the press box. And I remember, and I remember, you know, that I, if I remember the game correctly, UK was up most of the game. Alabama came back late, and I think sent it to overtime. But I remember sitting there. Um, with in the press box with Gene, we were standing out, out. We were looking from the outside of the press box, and uh, 
I was like, Gene, I think I think they're gonna get this one. I think they're gonna get this one. He was like, nah. Hold up, yeah, Not, hold up there, rookie. You hadn't been you, had, you hadn't been around here long, obviously, because you had. And sure enough, Alabama came back and I think sent the game to overtime, but Kentucky found a way to win. Um, which is not normal. Which is normal. normal. Not rare back then. Yeah. Um, but, you know, they always expect, expect the worst. And I get it. With their history and some of the stories I've heard, I understand Two that. Seasons, yeah. yeah right. The Bill Courier. You know, it was yeah. just. Yeah, I was only, I wasn't really even really aware of UK football until, until Rich Brooks. Yeah. And then, you know, like Brooks set the bar that like, okay, we can. We can go to bowl games every year. We can yeah. beat. We can beat an LSU. You know, every now and then. You know, and we can pull an upset. And Stoops, to his credit, he's taking that bar and yeah, run with he's it. Yeah, he's he's raising it now. Now you look. You talk to Kentucky fans, which I never thought I'd see the day when I would hear this. Kentucky fans are like, man, I think we got enough talent to have a shot in the East or you have a shot can. in the SEC. I'm just a fan. I don't really know. I'm more of a basketball guy, but. I'd put this team up against anybody in the ACC right now. They've got they they have more talents they, on in the program now than they ever have. They I got mean, bad boys on the in the trenches on yeah, both sides. Yeah, well, that, then that's the difference. And that's the difference. Kentucky, you know, like in the past when Kentucky, you know, if you give them a good quarterback, give them some skill guys, you know, maybe you can scrape out a seven or eight win season. Yeah, they like mm-hmm. that now, you know. No. But they would always, you know, but when they got up against the big boys, they'd get pushed around. Yeah, but now we can push Now back. they can push back. You know, offense, the offensive line, I mean, they're going to have one of the best offensive lines in the country, in the country. this year. Yeah. And up front, they've got big bodies on deep. And that, and that was the reason why they had such a hard time competing in the SEC. But now that they've got all that, you know, that, you know, you got to give Stoops credit. And, you know, Stoops had a rough go of it, too, early well, yeah, on. Yeah, he did not have a smooth getting started. We had, uh, but it seems like every year, though, he has he's gotten a little further. Like, what, you know, and that, six and, wins, right. seven wins, bowl game, Ten win wins. the bowl game. Right. And, that, and I, I think that, you know, he's kind of like Brooks, too. He really didn't take any shortcuts. He's nope. like – I'm gonna get in here and I'm gonna roll my sleeves up and yeah we we're gonna take some lumps and he's early. Run that ball. Yeah, we're gonna run. We're gonna run the ball. <laughs> be physical. Off. And who who would have thought that that would work? I mean, no. Kentucky to line up and run the ball. You know, like air raid. You know, mummy couch. You know, Andre Woodson. You know, usually UK has its better teams when they can throw the right. ball. Yeah. They, you know, but now they're smash mouth. Lining up, running yeah, we're lining gonna, up we're and running. Knock yeah, in the nose over and over and over. And I never thought that they would be able to do that at Kentucky. So you know, you got to give Stoops a lot of credit. I mean, what he's done with the program the last two or three years. I mean, I think it's he's. I mean, it, it ranks up there with some of the better jobs in the country, considering last where year, they were last year. May have been one of the best coaching jobs ever done. You, I mean. With that whole deal, they you everybody knew what they were gonna do. Oh yeah, yeah. They're gonna give it to. Yep. They're, they're gonna line up in the shotgun. It's, we have, and Bowden's we have three gonna, plays. Yeah, I mean, and they're all gonna, basically give it to that dude. Yeah, and let him run. Let, let him run. And now they would mix it up. Sometimes they'd have a guy in motion and do a fake handoff yeah. or something. Yeah. They'd do a lot of window dressing. But yeah. when mm-hmm. push came to shove, I, mean, yeah. I remember watching the Louisville game last year, and it was like. They're just going to run him every time, and Louisville couldn't stop it, and neither could a lot of other teams. Nobody could. Nobody could. Now, Victor and I were in the stands a couple years ago at UK, actually in the student section when I was a student in 2018 for the Mississippi State game that we won in the in the fog and oh, the rain. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. Oh, though. my good, I, I still get happy when I think about and it. And they had just, a, a, the NFL caliber quarterback, and yeah, Josh Allen was yeah, lined up, and we were close enough down where – He'd see Josh like turn, and you'd see the quarterback's eyes. Yeah, like, man. He was scared, man. Yeah, he, I mean, they, they had Mississippi State on their heels in that game. And Josh Allen's a stud, man. I mean, oh, he's yeah. going he's gonna to be a pro bowler. I wouldn't I mean, want sooner him coming than later. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just take the ball. Yes. Yeah, right. I'll get out of your way. Whatever yeah. needs to happen. Life's gonna be different from now on Through changing circumstance of my reality I hope I can keep holding on And not be blinded by my confused vanity
in the back Watching the scene unfold And I don't know So I won't guarantee You'll just have to stand on your own two Caught in the web, caught in the web, caught in the web, 
caught in the whip, caught in the whip again. Warm for the spider is chaos for flight. Comfort and warmth in the Welcome back to Bluegrass Homefront. This is Tiny Brian here with Victor. Hey, Brian. So in that last set of music we heard, first song was The Lost River Cavemen with Life's Gonna Be Different, followed by Marcus Wilkerson with Norm for the Spider, and last was Carly Dawn and Hillfolk with Jubilee. I'm glad to hear Carly Dawn is our first repeat uh, musician here on Homefront. Well, I think she kind of... Kind of needs to she be. She often does work with uh, the gr- the the girl of constant sorrow singer from our first block. That's correct. Her they her, they work as Carly Dawn and Little Sorry little or Sari. Little Sari. Yep, they do a little duo together, and uh, we thank Sarah uh, for sending us some music to play that she does. And now that I've heard both ladies, I see why they would make a great duo. I look forward to hearing more of their music together. Yeah, we're looking forward to uh, hopefully bringing them together here on Homefront at some point. Yep, that's later. But right now. Let's uh, continue our conversation with Chip and uh, really good talk with him about uh, UK sports. We Enjoyed did. that a bunch. And now... Uh, but here we move on to, to more what's going on recently. We talk a little bit about 100 days of protests in Louisville after the uh, shooting of Breonna Taylor. Right. Um, so we talk and we, we kind of get his thoughts as a, as a Louisville native. And, and uh, again, I continue to learn some things here. And you know, one thing I learned, Brian, that from talking to Chip, and I, I think this is something that maybe all think people out there should try to consider doing. No matter who you are and, and what walk of life you're, you're from, you should try to make a point to talk to somebody that's not exactly like you, whether it be the same color, different religion, 
different dish, different diet. It doesn't matter. Try to have at least, if even if it's a small, like, hey, how you doing today, a small conversation, you might learn something. And I think it's good for everybody to do that. So we appreciate Chip, and, and thank you, Chip. You, you, you helped me learn something that day. Absolutely. I, I think we've had a lot of, I've enjoyed the diversity of thought we've had already, even just three episodes in here on Homefront. Exactly. We, we yeah. went and we spoke with some libertarians and right. got, got some views there, and now we had a chance to speak with Chip. Yep. Gonna, and we're going to continue this. We're going to yep. find more more voices to bring to the conversation. Yep. So let's go into our the second half of our conversation with Chip Cosby. We see you in person. Yes, I've, sir. I've seen you on TV a whole bunch. Well, so nice meeting you, man. It's kind of kind of cool to see somebody in person like that. Oh, so we uh, when we started to do our research, you know, because we're going to talk to you, we thought we would we would try to fit, you know learn a couple things. Noticed first of all that you were the subject, or at least you were mentioned in an LA Times article, like way back in 1992. Yeah, it was funny because a guy came. You know, I knew a friend of the family. You know, he. Um, he worked for the, it was actually a friend of my aunt's, and I, I think it was it the Washington Post? I, can't I thought remember. it was L.A. Times. Might have been the L.A. Times. And he came and talked to me just about being a high school athlete and just what that was like and, you know, like how the perceptions are, you know, of African-American, young African-American men as far as sports and relative to their worth in society. So, you know, and I, you know, I was, hell, I was 19 at the time, so, I mean, Amazing you know, how times haven't really changed much. You yeah, know, reading right. those things then, you know, they were talking about Watts and and you know the the Rodney King aftermath in that article, and you know here we are, you know with with George Floyd and Breonna. Yeah, here out right here in 2020, the more things change. The, it's the, the same. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, I, that I, yeah that interview was not long after, if I recall, the mm-hmm. Rodney King situation, and I was I was a freshman at UK I think right you uh graduated from there with a BA yeah, in journalism yeah, yeah so I you know I was at UK and when all that unfolded you know it was interesting to see all the different how you know the different reactions of people but oh, it was yeah. nothing like you know like I think back to that and as volatile as that was it it's a blip on the radar screen to the way people react right now on both sides man you know you know I remember back in the day we, we were, at, you know, the, the story that we were kind of told up in rural Kentucky that kind of will filter through to the white people in the area, so to speak, was, you know, well, this was just a weird one-off circumstance, you know, the cops don't do these sort of things, and this just happened to be caught on video, and then the more we, as we slowly put cameras into every conceivable device, it's like, no, we can find a camera doing, we can find it everywhere we go, and yeah. it's... It, it really, it, it's been eye-opening for me I, for the last 15 and years And, you know, like, so. it was funny, too, because, like, I think 92, around that time, I, I think um, N.W.A.'s second album mm-hmm. came out yeah. around that time. And, uh, you know, I remember thinking back when N.W.A. first came out, you know, and they were talking to... You know, and they were telling people, you know, and oh, people yeah. thought people oh, they just were people thought they were exaggerating. people thought they were exaggerating or just making up stuff or just trying to sell records. But no, they were really telling it how it was. Yeah. You right. know, and this was 30 years ago, 30 years ago. you know, and um, people and I think now looking back on it, they were kind of I mean, that was a big deal, you know, because I mean, you know, we saw it. I mean, we knew it happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, other but, people just kind of were like, ah, they just. They're just uh, you know, glorifying violence to sell records and all. I was like, no, yeah. these guys have, you know, they're out in the streets of L.A. They see what's going on. You yeah, know? they're they're living it. Yeah, right. They're, they're so, out there in it, and now we're now thanks to YouTube, we all can get a window. Everybody can it, see for it, better or worse. And it's yeah, and you know, I think it's good for accountability. You know, it's yeah. now nah, it's been. It's, it's kind of dr- the only way we were ever going to really start to get a change. I think was everybody had to get a camera. Everybody had to see, yeah. Everybody had to, had to see. be able to see. See what was going on. Because yep. that's when things really. I mean, you know, the the eight minutes with a with a cop on somebody's neck on video, just letting it happen, smiling for the camera. Yeah, it was. Yeah. I mean, my goodness. And I don't think you know, I don't think people understand. You know, like as an African American male. How watching, how traumatic it is to like watch stuff like that. You know, you don't, you don't really, you know. And I think that's what a lot of these people who are just so dismissive. I mean, they they can't put themselves in that scenario because they've never had to 
to face up with it, and it's hard to. Em- Some people aren't going to empathize anyway. No, that, that's yeah. something I've I've learned as a as a white man. It's like when a cop gets behind me, it makes me nervous. My yeah, heart yeah, yeah. I don't fear. I might get a ticket. I, I, I fear, might even go to jail. Yeah, I fear for my safety. I feel like I might get the crap beat out of me or something. Right. But I don't fear for my life, and I think yeah. that's the difference. Yeah, yeah. absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So I do want to turn back a little bit to what's been going on here in Louisville, if you don't mind. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we. Can so uh, yeah, a hundred days, a little bit over a hundred days of protests since George Floyd, and you know that was really the impetus. But we already had, you know, Breonna Taylor, but uh, and then but protests and and gotten the no knock warrants have been stopped here in Louisville. Have they actually been stopped by the city council? Am I right about yeah, that? Yeah, they, yeah, they 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 brought they passed Breonna's law, which. Uh, technically prohibits no knock warrants so you know that was one, one positive out, one step, positive yeah. outcome out of it. and we still got a long way to go though and uh they got a long way to go and I, i'm yeah and I, i'm i'm really concerned about our city you know because i mean you know from everything i hear um you know there's going to be a decision announced here in the next maybe week or so really about brianna about yeah about whether charges are going to be filed yeah, and, and i'm i'm ex- i mean i'll be i'm expecting the worst um i i don't think i don't think they're going to face charges i think there's going to be a lot of uh, you know that there's going to be, be the there's, there's going there's going to be you. i think they're just going to walk maybe possibly be cops in a year from now yeah i don't you know i don't think they're going to be held accountable and there are going to be a lot of people upset, and there's going to be a lot of you know uproar. I just hope and pray that you know we can we can come together as a city. And, and you know I'm all for protests. You know I think you know if you if you think about it, the protests have been effective. They have. Um, mm-hmm. You know um, we've we've gotten some change, not just here locally, but you know nationally, globally. Oh yeah. Um, but you just don't want you know there's so much tension in the air. I just you know, I don't want people to get what hurt. What do you think could be a, a- a change in Louisville that could be effective, like in your opinion? Well, I think it all centers down. You know, the bottom line, and I, I watched, um, I watched the Hulu special on, um, you know, the the killing of Breonna Taylor. I watched that a couple nights ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, Louisville just has a bad history um, of relations between the police department and it and really black does. citizens. I didn't realize that until really recently. Yeah, I mean, it's always you know like, um, and I. I I think the documentary talked about how, you know, the police force here locally, they were the ones that, you know, they enforced, you know, Jim Crow and the laws, Mm -hmm. you know, everything that held people back, black people back, you know, the police were the ones that would go out. So there's, there's been a history of tension here. And even when Jim Crow was repealed, then they immediately put in the prohibition laws for for you know, dr- you know, so we can catch you with a little bit of marijuana. Right. Oh yeah, man. Yeah, years, exactly. You know? And you can't. You, it stays on your record, and, mm-hmm. and you know, there's just so many. You know, they had the, you know, one time they were trying to be proactive. The police, you know, they they passed these rules where they had traffic stops. You know, but turns out that that black males were disproportionately being stopped mm-hmm. and either cited or arrested for minor offenses. So. There's just a bad history um, between black people and the police here in Louisville, and I think there needs to be reform. Um, I think we have to do something to um, ease the the tension. Um, Now, they've got an interim, they hired an interim police chief here who was an African-American lady. I think that helps some, but she's she's not going to be the full time person. She's just kind of here to to shepherd things through. And you know, a lot, I've I've heard a lot of people say, "Oh, well, she's just, you know, they they did that because of the Breonna Taylor thing. They know it's going to be a, a a mess, and they want to have somebody black face. Look, whatever, man. I mean, you know, and I, you know, everything I've heard about this this woman that she's an impressive woman. She's from the community. She cares about the community. So. Um, I think that's a positive step, but whoever the full-time person is needs to needs to really focus on police reform and kind of um, mending fences uh, between. You know, you have to build trust. Um, I think you need to do some trainings, some you know, some um, you know, just things like how do you respond? You know, what's the most effective way to respond mm-hmm. in a crisis situation? Or not? You know, a lot of these things t- start out as non-crisis and situations. And and then it gets and escalated. And before you know it, somebody's dead. And you yeah. know? shoot somebody. Yeah. For no reason. So For what no can reason. we do? You know, what can we do to like, so where the the encounters, the you know, the 
the communication, the, you know, all of that, the transactions between police and African-American males in particular aren't so hot, don't turn so hostile, um, you know. Yeah, hostility at, is, is deadly. And it, it's, I mean, it's at a, I mean, here's the thing that's weird to me, like, I grew up in the 80s, you know, and you would think 40 years ago, like, things should have been worse. But I think back when I was growing up, and you know, like, we'd have, we'd have a, you know, every now and then, you know, I can think of a couple times where, you know, a guy be running down, riding down the street in a truck and scream the N-word at, at me and my friends or something like that. But I, I didn't feel the tension growing up here that you do that now. I do now. That's interesting. You know, like, I, and maybe, you know, as you're, you know, of course I was a kid, you're not as socially aware, socially conscious. There might have been some things that went over my head, but I never remember feeling anything like I feel now um, with regards to race relations, um, you know, and not only here, but in, in Kentucky, Louisville, Kentucky, but the whole country, man, it's yeah. just out of control. It's valuable. I mean, you become aware of something that, you know, we've just talked about all things we become aware of, especially when it comes to black and white uh, relations. Not, I, I really don't think it's as bad as it is, as people say it is between each other. Right now, you know, I really it, don't. Yeah, no, I mean, and I, you know, and I, I will say this, um, you know, during all this, all this upheaval that we've had over the last several months, you know, I've had a lot of my white friends, you know, reach out, offer support. I know there've been white people. Um, you know, protesting, I mean, in the front line, you know, voicing their opinions. Mm -hmm. So that's been great to see. And I do think, you know, it's a good sign for the future. Um, you know, I've got two kids, um, well, two grown kids, 25 and 20. You know, they grew up, you know, like the kids at that race doesn't really matter to them. They don't, they you know, don't. they don't, you know, they, they don't, they take a lot of this stuff for granted. Like even, even with the virus, they don't. They don't look at it the same way we do. They don't look at race the same way we do. My no. son, both my my son and my daughter, they have you know they have a lot of white from all nationalities. Yeah. You know, like I remember, and it was that way the whole time they grew up. I mean, you know, I, I joke with people with, you know, with uh, friends all the time. I was like, yeah, when you know my kids were in school, you know, they had, you know, we my daughter had several Jewish friends. I, I've probably been to more bar and bat mitzvahs than any african-american male in kentucky That's i mean seriously i mean you know i've probably been to like five of them i was there in the little you know yeah. had the whole get up on you know so that's encouraging that you know they don't you know you look at the young people today and i think for the most part they're not like they didn't grow up like we no, did you know kind of they're not hearing it either they yeah. You start talking about that stuff, and they're like, "No, that's just bullcrap." Right. And so, and I, I'm, 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 uh, but you know, like, and I think a lot of it too isn't about necessarily, you know, race. It's about education. I mean, like, because I, I think back, I, I'll tell you a story from my college days. You know, I was a freshman at UK, and um, I lived in, I lived on the 22nd floor of Kerwin Tower, the top floor yep. that, you know, they, they just they tore just them down. down. They're, they're yep. going down. Yes. They're not all the way down. Yeah, they were going so down. I was on the 22nd floor of uh, Kerwin Tower. Um, I was the only black guy on my whole floor. But, you know, we I got along. We were all cool. Yeah. Um, found out that there was a couple guys on the floor that lived in Corbin. They were from Corbin. Now, if you're black... Oh, yeah. Corbin. You think Corbin is like, I mean, because, you know, like when I, I remember vividly being in elementary school, it might have been third or fourth grade, and they showed a video on race, you know, on racism and race relations. And they had a lady from Corbin on the oh, video, and she was saying, the, you know, dropping the N-words. Well, Corbin famously, like, put all their black people on a train and just sent them away. Right. So, so you know, like, black to black people in Kentucky that grew up in my era, Corbin was like, don't you no, ever no. stop. Don't go, Don't go anywhere near Corbin. So I, I hear two guys live on my floor from Corbin. I'm like, oh, man, oh, like, crap. Oh, man. Am I going to come out Is of my room? Is that going to be a cross burning in front of my room oh, when I go no. to class? You know, I'm exaggerating. Yeah. But, you know, I had all kind of thoughts like, well, sure. Okay. So, you know, but I finally got to meet the guys, and they seemed cool. We spoke. You know, we gradually started hanging out a little bit. You know, we I come down to the room. We play video games, have a couple beers, you know, hang out. So I finally got comfortable enough with him to just ask him. You know, I said, hey, look, man, um, 
you know, I, I'm going to be real with you. Y'all are from Corbin, right? And I've heard a lot of bad stuff about Corbin, I mean, as far as people like me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So tell me what's just, what's up? So, like, I'm going to tell you what. Here's the deal. You know, like, people like us that want to do something with their lives, you know, want to go to college, want to be, you know, we... You know, we don't think like that. No. Now, now, you know, some of our, I can't say that there's people in, aren't people in our family that feel that way, Absolutely. but we know, you know, and these guys play sports. So, you know, if you play sports and you're trying to better yourself, you're going to be around black people. That's right. And I think they understood that. And they were cool. Um, now, what they did say, though, now, the guys who are back home not doing anything, just sitting around, you know, don't don't seem like they really have any aspirations. Now they're the ones you'd have problems with, mm-hmm. um, you know. Now and you know, um, so <laughs> they were like, um, <laughs> it got to the point to where one time they were like, "Man, you should come home with us." I was like, "Hold on, buddy, let's <laughs> slow I mean, I your like roll. You guys at all, yeah, y'all are cool, but I, yeah, let's let's just let's just hang out at the dorm and we're we're, <laughs> we're all good, you know. You can hit me up over the summer, but you know, like." Um, I will say this, I, um, as a high school sports, I mean, when I started at the, high, at the Herald Leader, I did a lot of high school sports. I, you know, every Friday night I was on the road doing football games. So, you know, the main guy, you know, the main guys, they got all the local games. They were right, going yeah. to see Catholic and Dunbar and yeah. all that. I get sent out. You got to go to Yeah, I, yeah. I, I, and I, I'll never forget, I went to, I covered a game in Lawrence County. It was Lawrence a playoff County. game. I think they were playing, maybe been playing Breathitt County. I can't remember. I remember it was at Lawrence County, and there was just this huge fight. I mean, they, the, I mean, the fans came in. Oh, the yeah. guys were bloodied. I mean, it was like something out of a book, you know. But I went through all those towns, man. I mean, I, I went up, you know, I went through the mountains. Never had any problems. You know, people, you know, whenever I got to games, they'd be like, hey, you with the Herald Now, Granted, I was with the Herald Leader, so they and I was covering the game. Yeah. So that probably brought me a little cachet, but you know they were very nice and very accommodating. I can't I can't remember any. You know I was on the road, you know a lot during you know doing high school games up in the mountains. I was on the road a lot during you know doing um, SEC games. I mean I was going through and I you know I was the type I drove if it was. If it was drivable, I'd drive. Yeah, drive. You know, I, I mean, uh, there were yeah. some places like, you know, I didn't drive to Gainesville. You know, I didn't, you know, um, no, but, is, you know, I drove, hours. you know, like if it was Alabama or Mississippi or somewhere like that, I'd drive. Mm-hmm. So, I, you know, and I drove through some, some of those small Mississippi towns at night. I never recall having any serious problems. So, um, you know, I was lucky. Yeah. yeah. So, That's actually good to hear. And I, yeah. And I and I think part of it just from based on my experiences a lot of white people just don't know how to they haven't been around black people so they don't know how to act. This is Joey Aces from Joey Aces in the Deal. You're checking out the Bluegrass Homefront podcast. Welcome back to Bluegrass Homefront. That was a uh, a great interview, and I it really was. Uh, and, and we appreciate Chip for doing that. Thank you again, sir. Yep, and uh, li- we look forward to hearing from Chip again. We so, will. I uh, wanted to turn to uh, some feedback now. Sure. And uh, if you have feedback for us, you can always reach us at uh, feedback at bluegrasshomefront.com. Uh, bluegrasshomefront, all spelled out, no spaces or anything, dot com. Feedback at bluegrasshomefront.com. Please send us a message. and yes. uh, uh, You can also rate us and review us on iTunes. Right. Or your favorite, or whatever your favorite podcast app is. So we've um, got a, we got an iTunes We did get one. Time. Yes, we are currently, we are currently a five-star podcast on iTunes. Woo! With uh, four ratings. So right. we have a total of 20 stars. I'm feeling good about that. Yeah, we appreciate that. And uh, one person did leave us an actual review. Uh, this review comes from the awesome fraud department. That's so I'm not sure if they're awesome at stopping fraud or if they're awesome at being, being frauds. Right. I don't know. But either way, they, they, they gave us a five-star review and they said, I like the diversity of the music selections and the topics you talk about. Clappy emoji. Great job. Thumbs up emoji. 
Excellent. So Excellent. thank you for that awesome fraud department and good luck in committing or stopping fraud, whatever you're up to. So we support you. And Brian, um, we also got a, a, a very, very nice uh, comment from Carly Dawn to mention, mention to her again. She had said that she had never listened to a podcast before. Oh, yeah. She posted this on Facebook. Yeah, and she said she never listened to a podcast before, and this was her first one. And lo and behold, it so happened to have to feature her in a never-before-released uh, song. And uh, we appreciate uh, Carly making a comment about that on, online for us. Yes, and we, we, once again, really enjoyed spending some time with her and thanks her. She was our very first thing we ever did for this podcast. Yes, yeah, she really was. Right so. up there with our brand-new Zoom uh, handy recorder right. and, and go talk to her. And... Uh, Finally, we did get a personal message from uh, from uh, Stacy, a friend of ours. Yeah. She uh, she messaged us and uh, she said that it was uh, she she called it fantastic. We appreciate and, that. Uh, and she specifically said that she enjoyed uh, she enjoyed the segment with uh, Doctor Malfris. Right, but she said with the professor. With yeah, the, with the professor, yeah. which I'm sure he would appreciate being called that as well. Oh so. yeah, yeah. So. So, yeah, we look forward to bringing you the second half of, of that interview with Dr. Malfres sometime soon. So, yes, as, and so we, we definitely want your feedback. Please contact us with, so we can uh, talk about, uh, get into your questions or comments about the things you hear here. One more time, that is feedback at bluegrasshomefront.com. Bluegrass Homefront is produced by me, Tiny Brian, with Victor who is also our music supervisor. Our associate producer and editor is Malachi Woodard. Special thanks to Catherine Leon Anderson and Michael Trent. For more episodes and who knows what else, go to bluegrasshomefront.com. Until next time, this is Tiny Brian reminding you, beware of rabbits, they eat carrots. Toodles. <laughs>